ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Hey ladies, welcome to this week's episode of the No Higher Calling podcast. I'm really I'm excited about today's podcast. My husband is back with me uh, really for the next couple episodes because this is a deep one. <laughs> We're going to cover a lot of content, so it'll probably um, be divided into several parts. But Sim, thanks again Absolutely. for joining me. It's always fun. Yeah, and so there are some things that I share on here that just getting my perspective on is great. But there are some topics that just are so intertwined in our hearts together that I don't feel like you get the full picture unless you hear from both of us. So I really wanted him to join me on this, you know, couple parts uh, episode talking about our vision for home. Um, so we're really going to delve in this episode, a lot into God's intention for home, um, you know, what what God wanted from the home when he created it, and then also talking about the attack that is on the home today. And then in the next two episodes, we are going to kind of lay out um, just a list of different things that as we are studying God's word, as we are praying that every day our home will be more conformed into the image of Christ. Some things that we're finding from scripture that characterize a godly home that we feel are so important um, to keep in our mind as we have this vision for home. So we, we've been saved for a long time. You've heard our salvation testimony. Um, we knew really long before we got married, kind of when we first started getting serious, that we wanted a Christian home, that we both wanted children. We prayed that God would bless us with children and that we wanted to raise them for the Lord. That has been a growing process for us. As we have you know, been married longer, as we have had kids longer, added more kids to the mix, we have seen um, our heart and our understanding of God's word grow. So as we share these next couple episodes with some of our vision for home, let me just throw in here that this is still something that um, is growing in our own hearts. I have a feeling in 15 years from now, we'll look back on this episode and have way more insight and way more wisdom to share because with time comes experience. But God has brought us to a point where we have really dug into his word and um, found things from his word, his truth, that we are being very intentional about implementing in our home. One of the things that kind of got us into analyzing this a little bit more in our own hearts separately together as we looked at our home and prayed about our home was I read a book called Will They Stand by Ken Ham. Um, the full title is Will They Stand? Parenting Kids to Face the Giants. If you're not aware of Ken Ham, he is the um, founder of the Answers in Genesis ministry. He's actually from Australia, so that was cool. He threw in some Australian stories in the book that I really enjoyed reading. Um, some of the origin of 
the love for Vegemite and all those great things. Um, but there were a couple things that he shared in this book. He really started it just talking about the godly legacy that God intended for Christian parents to leave for their children. He says, the foundation of a legacy worth leaving is made up of a faith in God and a trust in his holy word. And he also says that God's word, not your own wisdom or strength, is the basis of a godly legacy. So as we talk about this topic, we're not trying to share Simeon and Brittany's recipe for a successful home because we have no recipe. We don't have um, that. Yeah, no, we, we are trial and error and continually coming to God saying we messed up. Please forgive us and help us. And, you know, we're even in the stage, you know, we go to our kids and say, hey, look, a mommy and daddy did not respond in the right way. Will you forgive us? So we are learning, but we are hoping and praying that as we share um, the next couple episodes with you guys, that it's not our wisdom and strength that come through, that it is only God's word because that is the basis of a godly legacy. Um, so pray for us. If, if you listen to this podcast, if it has encouraged your heart, pray for us as we study God's word and as we prepare, not even just this topic, but in general, pray for me as I prepare things that I that God burdens my heart to share, um, we covet your prayers. And that would be such a blessing to us, especially in these topics that um, are deep and just require a lot of spiritual insight that, you know, we don't always have. We are just asking God to grow us every day more and more. But so in this book, he kind of starts out talking. He tells the story um, from the Old Testament about the Israelites and the memorial that they made. So this this story has a, some significance to Simeon. God's used this in different ways in his life. Um, so I'll let him kind of catch you up on the account of this from the Old Testament, and then I'll take it back over with some things that Ken Ham said. Yeah, so in Joshua chapter number four, um, we basically the children of Israel are crossing over Jordan, and it's a momentous occasion for them. They're finally able to do it under the leadership of Joshua, and Joshua is commanded of the Lord to do something very specific, and he has the people do that. And in Joshua chapter number four, verse four, it says, And Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and all these and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And then it says that the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded. And so the point of the, the point of the story really is that Joshua and the Lord commanded that the children of Israel set up these this stack of stones. And if you really like, if you think about it, would you even notice the stack of stones? I don't know. It seems like a weird story to me, um, but. It says that the children would notice, and I don't think until I had kids I really quite understood this one, but the kids notice everything. They point out stuff. What's that over there? What's this? What's that? And they ask questions all the time. And so they had the opportunity when their children asked, hey, what does that stack of stones mean? To then relay to them all the things that God had done. And it was a it was a monument in their life to 
something very specific and something monumentous for them. And being able to share that with their children was was an awesome thing. Yeah, and actually our church, um, our home church, has a big stack of 12 stones out in the back in kind of this little like gathering area. Um, And it is for that reason, to remember that story, but beyond that, to recall God's goodness, God's provision. And so here in this book, Ken Ham kind of talks about that, but he asked the question, what kind of legacy do you intend to leave? What type of memorials might be left in your remembrance? That memorials left from remembrance coming out of the idea of that story from Joshua. Um, but those questions really challenged me. A little bit later in the book, he has a part where he asks you, what is the purpose of a godly home? And he says, if you cannot say, hey, this, 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 this is what we are trying to accomplish from our study of God's word, from our relationship with Christ, from seeking God's will for our Christian home. These are the things that we are seeking to accomplish as we raise these kids for Christ. He said that every Christian parent should be able to say, this is what we believe that God has for us to accomplish in our home as we raise our kids for Christ. And that really struck a chord with me. Um, Like I mentioned briefly earlier, um, we knew we wanted a Christian home that was important to us, but we had never really sat down and talked about, okay, what exactly does that mean? Like, let's break that down. I am a list kind of girl. I want bullet points. And I've even been reading some different books this year about forming habits and end goals. And really, one of the things it all boils down to is if you do not have the baby steps of this is how we get from A to Z, if you don't have the A to B, B to C, you will never end up at Z. So that's kind of what the Lord brought to my mind as I read that question and that challenge was, okay, so we want to have a Christian home and we want to raise kids that love the Lord with all of their heart, soul, and mind. Mm. But break that down. What does that look like on a daily basis? Um, I think sometimes, like you know, I've said before, we're in the little years, so it's easy to kind of get overwhelmed with all that you have to teach them and how it feels like none of those lessons are being learned. But it has helped me so much, even keeping my perspective and my priorities right, when not only do I have a very specific outlined end goal, but I've made that practical in the day to day. So, okay, say we're working on gratitude. Maybe we failed at breakfast and we weren't thankful for breakfast, but we can try again. There are so many opportunities throughout the day to work on gratitude with the end goal of raising kids that are thankful. So that's really helped us. But So we took that challenge and we've had a lot of conversations recently on, okay, let's not just say we want to have a Christian home. What does that mean? What does that mean from God's word? What is what is his plan for the home? So we're going to kind of, we're going to jump in in the next couple episodes specifically the list that God gave us. But we're really going to kind of give an introduction to all of that almost in just talking a little bit about home and what what is the purpose of the home? Why did God create the home? So in Psalm 127, it says this, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And that's what we're wanting to do, right? We're wanting to build a home. So except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. 
It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. And I think if you read through this passage thinking to yourself of your own home, obviously at the beginning of this chapter it makes it quite clear that a Christian home does not begin by Christians being in the home. The Christian home begins with the Lord being the one that builds it. Mm -hmm. And so we are laboring in vain when we are trying to raise our children without the Lord. It has to absolutely has to start there. Yeah, and that's a quote that I loved in Ken Ham's book in just reading this passage of scripture that we're trying to wrap our prideful minds around in the humility of the fact that it is nothing. It is not Brittany's tips for parenting. It is not Simeon's wisdom on how to be a great dad. Guys, we, we fail over and over, but God is faithful. God is gracious. God is merciful. And he is the one that builds the home. Our responsibility is to come to him, come to his word, seeking wisdom, and then to follow on the light that he gives us. One of the beautiful things about verse three is it says that children are an heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. And that automatically ought to take the drudgery out of the idea of parenting out of it. This passage is packed with truth, and <laughs> we could spend the whole episode on this. We're not going to. But yeah, what Sim just messaged, or mentioned there. And then I was reading this verse 4. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Simeon just shared this um, quote with me that Charles Spurgeon said today. Do you want to read that, babe? Yeah, before I sound like a genius, I didn't find it. A friend sent it to me. <laughs> um, but Charles Spurgeon said, You are as much serving God in training your own children as you would be if you led an army to battle for the Lord. And I believe this is the passage that he gets that from, because it says um, that in verses 4 and 5 that there are arrows in the hands of a mighty man. And then it says, Happy is the man that has his quiver full of him. They shall not be ashamed. And then it says that they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. So those arrows that you're spending 18 or more years sharpening, one of these days that they're going to be meeting that enemy at the gate at some point. And hopefully they get to speak to them, you know, and and, and hopefully it doesn't come to a, a, the point of the arrow. But you get the opportunity to, to craft the weapons that God has that he wants to use in this world. And moms, I think it is so important that we keep eternity's values in view, that we keep a heavenly perspective. Because it says, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. It doesn't say... As, you know, burdens are in the hand of a mighty man, you know, children of the youth, overwhelmed and exhausted is the man that had this quiver full of them. You know, I, I think sometimes, sometimes we just get our eyes off of Christ. And when we do, everything else crumbles. And it is easy on those days where I have a list longer than minutes in the day. And, you know, it's always those days that the kids are extra whiny, extra needy. And I'm, I'm speaking to myself here where I'm just like, 
go somewhere else, do something else, leave mommy alone. I have my list of things to do. You know, we, we need to keep the right perspective. And there are times we'll be overwhelmed and busy and frustrated. And there are going to be times where kids are annoying. There are many times where I'm annoying. Um, but we need to keep that heavenly perspective. They are arrows. God has given them to us. Um, in verse three, they are heritage from the Lord. They are the, the fruit of the womb is his reward. They are such a gift and a treasure. And while we have them in our home, in the walls of our home, that is our opportunity to sharpen and prepare those arrows for battle. So really just in transitioning to this idea of the home, we have a couple points here. The first one is that God is the creator of home. The home goes all the way back to Genesis 2. And really the home didn't even start with children. Mm -hmm. The home started with a marriage. Yeah, in Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 22 uh, it talks about how the Lord took the rib out of man and he made woman and he brought her unto the man. And then in verse 23, it says, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And uh, then it goes on to talk about their nakedness and everything that happens in chapter three we know about. But the point here is that the first thing that God established in this world when it comes to relationships, obviously the first thing was established relationship between God and Adam and God and Eve. And then the second thing that he established was this relationship between man and woman, that the relationship of marriage, which is the foundation of the home. And so the creation of the home was the first major establishment in scripture that you can find. And there's more, we'll talk about them, but the home was the basis of everything that the rest of human history would be based upon. Yeah, and God was the focal point of the home. Adam and Eve's relationship with one another grew out of their relationship with God. I remember when Simeon and I were dating, somebody gave us the illustration of a triangle. We didn't want to grow together horizontally. We wanted to grow together vertically. As we grew closer to God, vertically, him and I would grow closer together. So that's so important that God is the focal point of the home. Um, so in Genesis 2, with Adam and Eve and God, we see the birth of the Christian home. And, you know, God would quickly and bless them with many children. But the Christian home was first established in a marriage. And to any of you who are listening, I know I speak a lot to moms, but to those single ladies that are listening, and maybe you're listening and you don't have kids yet, the time to put thought and preparation and study and seeking God on the elements of a Christian home is not the day that you see the test that has the two pink lines on it. It needs to start way before then. Um, you know, it, it, it needs to start now. Wherever you are at, it starts now in your relationship with God. Grow closer to him every day. And as you grow closer to him, he will lead you step by step as he guides your life. As if it be his will, he brings a husband to your path. If it brings his will, he brings children to your path. Um, but Christian home starts with a relationship with God. And Simeon mentioned this when we were studying um about this, but he mentioned as we studied Adam and Eve and their relationship with God and their home, the quickest way to wreck a home is by letting Satan get between the husband and the wife. So we'll kind of touch at the end of this episode about Satan waging war against the home. But look at this, guys. I mean, God, God made man, gave him woman, established the home, 
And it wasn't, I mean, we don't know exactly how much time, but I can't imagine that it was very long before Satan was trying to wedge his way into that home and to destroy that home. Um, so there, just we, we've got to be so careful that we are on guard, protecting our home, keeping a hedge about our home and not leaving any crack for Satan to get in. Um, what is the quote? Satan will walk by the door... Uh, a thousand times. Satan doesn't wait for the door to open. He just walks by it a thousand times waiting to see a crack. Something to that effect. It's one of you. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but you get the gist of he'll walk by it a million times and you don't have to swing the door wide open for Satan to say, oh, I have an entry point into this home. No, he will go by it a thousand times just looking for a tiny crack. And man, this is convicting. How many of us right now have cracks in our heart with our marriage mm. that... We need to take to God and we need to get right because Satan is waiting to destroy your home. I, I don't want to jump to I don't want to jump to it yet. We have more to share about him wanting to destroy the home, but I I have some strong strong feelings about yeah, it doesn't take a lot of <laughs> it doesn't take a lot of room for a snake to squeeze in. No. Um, just a tiny little bit. And I do find it interesting that God gave the command not to eat of the tree to Adam and then he created Eve. And that's the way that scripture records it. So Adam's responsibility as the spiritual leader of the home was to instruct Eve in all those things. But when Eve and Satan are talking, she misquotes God. And so that could have either been a breakdown on Adam's end. That could have been a breakdown on her end. We're not really sure. But at some point, somebody failed to communicate effectively what God said. And um, all it took was that little crack for Satan to break apart the theology that she had built um, up into that point. And so it doesn't take much. So then we move to the next point, and that, that is that God has a purpose for home. I'm coming to realize this. I don't know. God's just doing a work in my heart about his purpose for humans, for, for mankind. Um, you know, right now I'm thinking about that a lot as I think about his purpose for my children. God's really stirring up our family. God's doing a lot in our family. So we are thinking about it a lot as we're thinking about God's purpose for our family specifically. But God has a purpose for everything he creates. You know, even, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to sidetrack here. Even in like just creation in the world around us, Eden and I are studying the pond right now. We're studying the ecosystem and the balance in the ecosystem. You know, and as much as I hate spiders, I can't I can't subtract spiders from the world without there being a ripple effect. You know, every every bug, every bird, every amphibian, every fish that makes up that ecosystem is there for a specific reason and it all has balance. Even the things, you know, we were studying burrows and holes and underground things here in our last nine week unit, just talking about God even has a purpose for fungus and mushrooms and just those weird things that were like, ooh, that's disgusting, that's poisonous, don't mess with it. God has a beautiful design even in that, but there, everything is created for a purpose. Nothing was a mistake. Um, and obviously, way beyond the purpose that God gave the fungus was the purpose that God gave to the Christian home. Home is the place where lives are shaped. It is within the walls of home that character is built, lessons are learned, and personalities are developed. God has designed it this way. And, you know, something that Simeon and I have been talking about recently is that it is within the walls of home that children first get a glimpse of the gospel. And it is really in that marriage relationship that kids see Christ, 
Yeah, within within the marriage, obviously they see Christ first, and the reason the reason that we say that is this: that God gave us a picture in marriage of the union between Christ and the church, and how we that that union works. And so, even before they have an understanding of what that means, when they look at you and your marriage, your children are looking at you in your marriage. By the way, um, but when they look at you in your marriage and the way that you treat one another and the way that you're that you're symbiotic and that you you know you're helping each other, not hurting each other, not taxing one another, but aiding one another back and forth, and the way they see that, and then they go out into the world with you to Walmart or wherever it is that they go, and they see, well, hang on a second, those people don't act that way. Um, and neither does that person or that person or this person at the park or my friend who pushed me or whatever. And they're constantly making a comparison. Why am I not allowed to live that way? And everybody else is, or on the inverse, why do my parents treat each other so well when all of these other people don't? And then that is essentially a testimony to them of the effect of the gospel in your life. And, um, so the, the marriage union that you have, that representation of the union between Christ and his church, they're seeing that even before they understand what all that means. And take it all the way back down. I mean, we we have a four-year-old, two-year-old, and a baby. You know, before they can come to the knowledge of their need for a Savior, they need to understand concepts like sin. What is sin? I am a sinner. They need to understand forgiveness. They need to understand unconditional love and sacrifice. And those things are on highlighted display in a marriage relationship. As they watch mommy and daddy, two imperfect human beings, um, you know, obviously Christ was perfect. So, you know, it's a little different between him and us and then, you know, an imperfect relationship between a husband and wife. But we are a picture of Christ and his church, as they see mommy and daddy love unconditionally, sacrifice for one another, forgive and love, um, have to ask for forgiveness, you know, say, hey, I didn't respond the right way. Um, you know, they they see elements of the gospel that we can use then to bring them to the Bible and lead them to see their need for Christ. And one other thing I want to throw in here really quick in talking about Simeon mentioned kind of contrasting a Christian home versus homes that they might see outside. I think one of the most beautiful, attractive ways that we can portray the gospel for an unsaved world is by showing them our Christian home. Hospitality is very important to me. Um, but I I think it is just another form of outreach that God has given us to invite the lost, invite unbelievers into our home and not that we need to put on airs or, you know, make sure that we're extra spiritual, that we have Bibles laying on every table. No, not, not putting on some fake facade, but just being real and inviting them in to see, Hey, we're real people. We mess up, we make mistakes, but we're trying to have a home that is different than the norm in today's culture. And I, I just, I think that puts the gospel on a beautiful display um, for the lost. Now, the construction of your home, um, it ought to follow some very specific principles, and those principles have to be based on the Word of God or they're not going to work. You know, we talked about earlier, if the Lord doesn't build the house, then it's, we're all laboring in vain, right? So if you go back to Deuteronomy and chapter number 11, um, the Lord is, is giving very specific teaching to his people, um, the children of Israel. In Deuteronomy 11, um, verses eight, 18 through 20, it says, Therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, 
and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall teach them to your children, speaking of them, when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates. What is he talking about? I mean, he's, he's, obviously he's talking about the, his words. He says, lay up these my words. And he says, you got to lay it up in your heart. You got to lay it up in your soul. You got to put it upon a sign upon your hand. In other words, that idea of a sign upon your hand is like, if you ever had a stamp on your hand, cause you've been somewhere and you had to get your hand stamped to prove that you were, that you paid or, or whatever. Every time you look at your hand, you see that stamp and you look at your hand a lot more than you think you do. So you put a sign upon your hand and maybe a frontlets bet- be- between your eyes. You know, if you got something between your eyes, you got a hair hanging or an eyelash or something that's bothering you. It is always in front of you all the time. And that's the point. And then he says, if it's in front of you like that, and ye shall teach them to your children, when should you teach them to your children? When you're sitting in your house, when you're walking, when you're lying down and when you're rising up, that's every day home. That's yep. That's home. That's every day. That's all day, every day. And so when you're with your children, you're to be teaching them about the things of God. And in case God missed anything, he said, and thou shalt write them upon the door posts of thine house. When do you see the doorpost to your house? Right before you leave and right when you get back home. Home is to be the place where God's word is taught and instructed and clearly instilled into the children specifically is what it says. You shall teach your children. And if you're not basing everything that goes on in your home on God's word, you're missing something and you're laboring in vain. And a Christian home really is a haven in this world. You know, we we create this safe nest and then we go out into the world, into the muck and mire and evil and wickedness, and then to come back home and leave that at the door and enter back into that safe place. Not that what you you know, teach inside those, the walls of the home doesn't go out with you. Um, but it is important as we're just thinking about these ideas of just having a Christian home, our vision for our home, we want to create a place that is safe, that is warm, that is filled with love and truth where our kids know, Hey, we're all imperfect. We are growing and ever learning, but it is, this is a safe place in which to do that. Forgiveness will be offered when wrong is done. Um, patience will be extended. Mercy and grace will be demonstrated. Um, you know, in our marriage, in our relationship with our kids, those are the things that we are working on. Um, so God has a purpose for home. Ken Ham says also in his book, um, he said, that's what the family was meant to do. Uh, the family was meant to produce godly offspring who will marry, marry godly offspring and produce godly offspring generation after generation. It's as simple as that. What is the purpose of the Christian home? God wants Christian men and women to marry and raise Christian men and women who will marry Christian men and women who will raise Christian men and women. Um, that's what God wants. And that's what we want. Simeon and I are saved. We are Christians. We know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. We are praying every day that our kids will come to know him and love him. We also are praying every day that God will lead them to spouses that know and love the Lord as their personal Lord and Savior. And that one day when God gives us grandbabies, that our kids will raise them to know the Lord and that it will just continue generation after generation. So that's God's plan for home. That's that's his desire for every home. That is our desire for our home. 
Satan is waging war against the home. I don't I don't feel like I need to say anything to convince you of that. I, I think all of us know that. Yeah, we do. We all know that. And we, we ought to at least. And if you I mean, even if you go back to early in scripture in, in Genesis three, like we've been talking about, in the in the fall of man, that whole beginning of that, what did it do? It caused guilt. Um, it caused them to be afraid of God. There was division, there was separation there from God. Immediately that's what sin caused. And that's the same thing that sin is causing currently in our world. That's everything that's going on. And Satan is waging war against the home directly um, because he knows if he can get in the home, he can cause guilt, he can cause division, and he can cause separation between the individuals, but also separation between those individuals and God. And Satan would love nothing more than to destroy everything that God has put into a home. There is nothing really that is more beautiful than a home in which um, God is the center of that home and everything that's going on in that home is is lovely and pure. Satan would love nothing more than to get into that and just destroy that because it's the one thing that, that is attracting the world to the Christian faith is when they see a Christian and when they see a Christian home. Yeah, we've seen that in so many other aspects of, you know, music, entertainment, I mean, things God created for our enjoyment, things that he created to be beautiful and honestly to reflect him. And here comes Satan and he just wreaks havoc on those beautiful things that God intended. Um, And the war on the family did not end in the ruins of Adam and Eve's home. You know, I think about, uh, just imagine all that God intended for them as they had the first marriage and the first home and were the first parents and raised these children. I I mean, knowing what we know about God from his word, I can only imagine that it was so many wonderful things that he had intended. And just so quickly, sin reared its ugly head and Satan won their hearts and, you know, just began to wreak his havoc. Um, And it hasn't stopped. It has just continued through every generation. And now we're seeing even more. I just feel like as the Bible says, as the day is approaching of the Lord's return, we see this greater intensity in the spiritual warfare that is around us. The world all around us is falling apart. I mean, if you haven't noticed, just turn on your TV sometime or don't. <clears throat> and and if you really stop and you think about the individual things that are happening in our culture, you can take them and you can look at them politically, which is what most people are doing, or you can take them and you can look at them spiritually. And if you look at them spiritually, you'll find that all of the different aspects and things that Satan is going after right now, think of the, you know, the three or four major things that Satan is doing within our country, within culture as a whole, they are these. They are uh, sexual sin oriented stuff. It is, uh, breaking down the identities of male and female stuff out right out of Genesis, right out of Genesis one, two, and three. Right. And then, um, you know, attacks on, on race and, and different things. All of all three of those three different things have to do with what God did in creation. Right. And, but at the basis of that, the very first thing that God established, the very first organization, if you will, that God established was the nuclear family. And when you begin to break down uh, and, and degrade the meaning of what it means to be male and female, you're doing a direct affront to what God created and a direct affront to what the family is meant to be. 
women have a certain function. Men have a certain function. Boys and girls have different functions. When you begin to introduce these ideas of homosexuality, ideas of being able to change your gender and all of this, all of it is, it is not an attack on a political agenda. It is an attack directly upon the first thing that God founded in the home. Now, if you study your scripture, there's three things God established. He established the home, he established the government, and he established the church. The government, we know that, that the current prince and power of the air is the devil and he controls the governments and we all know this and God obviously the, the the heart of the the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and we know this and but at the end of the day right now he is allowing Satan to control those governments Satan owns that what he doesn't own is your home and what he doesn't own is God's church and so everything he does is an attack on the home and it's an attack on the church. And what is the church and government? Both of those things are made out of individual homes. And if he can destroy your home, he can destroy everything. And Satan is sneaky in his attack, too. We were just talking with a friend recently who brought out the point that for so long, Christianity has really been the moral center of society, um, that Christianity was uh, the good, the love, the care, and anything against that was the negative side of things. Culture has flip-flopped that. Um, Everything is just upside down. Now it is, you know, this liberal agenda of, you know, oh, we we are the ones that love. We are the moral compass. Mm. You know, you just need to love everybody. And loving everybody means accepting whatever gender you want. Um, you know, championing race, racial division. And they look at Christianity as, oh, well, you're the haters because you hold to these high standards that are exclusive. They've changed um, the moral high ground. Yeah. And and so that is just one example of the way Satan is just seeking to destroy the home. And really, home is the last line of defense. Civilization is built on the homes that it is comprised of. And I think that is why Satan is trying so hard. Simeon said, Satan has government. I'm not saying that all government officials are controlled by Satan. I'm thankful for the strong Christian leaders that we have um, in our political sphere. But he is the prince and power of the air. Satan is. And Obviously, he is controlling much of the leadership, not just in our country, but worldwide. Um, Satan has his period where it might appear that he is being victorious. We all know how the story ends. He will not end victorious, um, but he is he is reigning on this earth and having his way. And I think there's such an attack on the home because I do believe, like I said, that things are wrapping up. Um, I, I'm sure every generation has said this, but I, I do believe that from what we see in scripture and just things unfolding in our earth, that it will not be much longer before Christ returns. And I think Satan is trying to get past that last line of defense, which is the Christian home. If he can destroy Christian homes, the church crumbles. And I, well, we said it, he is waging war. Every aspect of culture is at war against the Christian home. So we're going to wrap up this last episode with one more point, and I don't want to end it on doom and gloom. We're going to end on 
so okay so what do we do satan is waging war against the home we've learned all of these different truths about home that god had a purpose for home that god was the creator of home where does that leave us that leaves us at it is our responsibility to build a home that glorifies christ this is a purpose that god gave us if you are married if you have children You cannot avoid this purpose of we have got to be intentional about building homes that glorify Christ. If you're not married and you're not, you don't have children yet, don't tune me out. If you think God might have this for you in the future, even if you don't, God might surprise you. Now is the time to be putting in your heart and life these truths so that when the time comes that you are equipped to follow Christ and to pursue all that he has for you and for your home, um... Genesis 18, 19 says, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. There it says that they shall keep the way of the Lord. There's another passage. Uh, Sim, do you have Isaiah? Isaiah 30, 21 says, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. So there again, it says this is the way. It talks about that way. God has given us a way that we're to walk in for our homes as we build homes that glorify Christ. Um, Just a little teaser. We're going to talk more in the next two episodes. We are going to kind of divide up um, the way that we, through prayer, through studying the scriptures, through much conversation, and just seeking God's heart for our home personally, the way that we believe that God has outlined that we should be following in as we seek to follow Christ. Um, So I hope you come back for the next two episodes. They are going to be packed with truth from the scripture that we hope will encourage you as you think about this idea of the home and the purpose and the reality that there is a spiritual warfare going on and it is trying to do everything it can to tear down your home Um, and just how intentional and focused we need to be on building a home that glorifies Christ. So I'll close this episode in prayer, and then we'll join you all next week. Lord, I thank you so much that you have designed every area of life to bring you glory. I thank you that the home was designed to bring you glory, um, that just even we as individuals can bring you glory with our lives. Lord, you are so worthy of all that glory. I pray that you'll be with Simeon and I as we try to implement truths from the scripture in our home, in our lives, and as we teach those to our children, Lord, I pray they'll be with the families um, of the listeners, Lord, that you will just strengthen their homes, that Satan will gain no ground in our homes, that he will have no victories on our domain, Lord, but that we will just battle for you and for truth and for righteousness, and that no matter how dark the world may get around us, that we will trust you and follow you and love you and serve you with all of our hearts. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are victorious, that you have showed us the end, and that though we might get discouraged feeling like darkness is winning, Lord, that we know that you stand victorious as King of kings and Lord of lords. I thank you for the opportunity to serve you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
I hope this episode has been a blessing to you. If it has, feel free to like, share, and subscribe. You can follow my motherhood journey on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also follow the blog at nohighercalling.org. I hope that this episode has brought much glory to Christ, encouraged your heart, and strengthened you to be the wife and mother that God has created you to be. Thanks for listening.